the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer and performer, a graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we will look at everything SNL. Uh, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. And sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that people say all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And I do have a guest uh, on this episode of uh, that show, and I'm very excited about it because he's an old, old friend of mine. I've known him for almost 40 years. Um, he's a musician. He's a playwright, uh, a director, an actor, a great comedic performer, a great comedic mind. Um, he spent over 10 seasons as artistic director of the Factory Theater here in Chicago. He picked up the reins after I departed as artistic director, and we've worked together for many years at the Factory. We acted together. I directed him. He directed me. We improvised together on stage. We wrote together everything. And his newest play is called Lane Call, A Night of Closing. It opens at the Factory in June. He's also playing a bunch of music gigs across town in the coming weeks and months. And like me, he grew up watching SNL. He was inspired by the performers and by the show, and he created his own comedy based upon that inspiration. So I want to welcome him to the podcast, where we're going to talk about all things SNL, including his five favorite sketches of all time and much, much more. And let's say hello to Mr. Scott Oaken. And hey, Scott, how's it going, man? It's going wonderful. How you doing? I'm good. Scott Oaken is uh, is with me, and uh, we've known each other for such a long time, Scott, and 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 we do have a, a you know we do have a, a love of Saturday Night Live as I mentioned in the intro you and I both work with the Factory Theater and you still do yep. uh, for a significant amount of time and a lot of the people that came out of the Factory a lot of us went to Second City a lot of us trained at players were inspired by you know Saturday Night Live in a big way it inspired what we wrote what we did at the Factory and it's been a big thing what can you remember the first time you watched SNL I mean the first time I watched it was the first night uh, was was George Carlin uh, do you remember yeah. the first time. I think it was a Paul Simon episode um, because, yeah, because I, I was, at, <laughs> I mean, we're talking, what, 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that was like one of the first times I could stay up past 10. <laughs> so, right. um, uh, yeah, they let me watch it. As a matter of fact, I think I was, I think my parents were out and I was being babysat or, or left alone in the house. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, I just remember it was a Paul Simon. And then I remember this was the thing you talked about at school, you know, the next right. day. So. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, so I just, and then, you know, all, all the classic bits started coming. So I, I've been watching pretty much religiously through the first season. I kind of fell off sometime in the eighties and okay. on and off in the nineties. Yeah. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people did that too. Uh, there was that period of time when Lauren left and Gene Domanian took over and then 
Dick Ebersol took over, and then it was it was a weird time. And the and that that whole dark period of the eighties, the really the only highlights were provided by mostly Eddie Murphy. Um, yeah, and to a certain extent, Joe Piscopo. Joe Piscopo, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a tough. That was a really rough period, and you know, and a lot of a lot of that stuff also. Like we were we were like, you know, like seventeen, eighteen at that time. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like you know, you know, a lot of people were out, you know, not watching it. And there yep. was that period of time in the mid '90s where it was a little sketchy as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that all makes sense. But but yeah, the Paul Simon. Now the Paul Simon, he he hosted many times, and he was yeah. And he was like musical guest a lot. He was buddies with Lauren Michaels and and uh, and all that stuff. And and of course, one of the legendary uh, episodes was the Thanksgiving episode of the first season where he came out dressed as a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he and he bitched at Lauren about like being dressed as a turkey and and singing still crazy. Still so crazy. Yeah. 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 So, did you have favorites? Like, I mean, uh, I mean, well, obviously, I yeah. guess what caught what captured my attention he because he. He had George Harrison on uh, uh, with Paul Simon. There was a Paul Simon with George Harrison, right? And and they did. And of course, you know, I'm a big Beatles fan, so that also jogged me to it. And uh, they did a uh, uh, they did like a version of Kathy's Clown, I want to say, and then the version of Paul Simon's Take Me to the Mardi Gras. And I just remember all George Harrison. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, because again, too back, back. Here's what I will say. You know, everyone says, oh, back then it was. Like, oh, yeah, back then. We have real good memories of the musical guests, right? Yeah, because I mean, these are guys. I mean, they're Rolling Stones for Christ's sakes, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, so so the, the 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 issue nowadays is like I just don't know. I don't know any of the, you know. I mean, I don't know any of the new acts. You know, yeah. I know the Jonas Brothers. But, yeah, you know. well, who were on last night? As we, I know. <laughs> uh, and 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 the th- the thing is, like, but the other thing, if you if you if you remember in the early days, especially that first season and around into the second season, they had more than one musical guest sometimes, and they yeah. and and they what they wanted to do out of the gate at the beginning, Lauren's idea was variety. Yeah, because I mean, as you remember, Scott, uh, variety shows were huge in the seventies. Hmm. And everybody, everybody had one. I mean, you know, like, I mean, they gave one to Pink Lady and Jeff, for Christ's sake. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, like, everybody had a variety show. And variety shows consisted of a bunch of musical numbers and stuff. And so that first night uh, with, with Carlin, there were a couple of musical guests, and they would just drop music in every once in a while. Yeah, and it, was, so it was weird. It was a lot looser. It was a lot looser. Now it's like... Two musical performances. It happens right before update, and it happens right before the twelve fifty sketch. And yeah. that's the way that's the way it goes all the time now. But back in the seventies, because everybody was doing blow, it was like, let's go out and sing another song. And you know, they didn't mm-hmm. care. But yeah, did you have like fa- like who were some of your favorite cast members from the early days? Obviously, Belushi and Aykroyd were. You know, I mean that whole first se- that whole first couple of seasons. Uh, you know, classic guys. I mean that whole yeah that whole first cast. Uh, uh, Chevy Chase and then Bill Murray later on. Uh, Garrett Morris. You know, I, 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 all all of them I lo- I loved I loved pretty much, and and there's from every pretty much every era, you can pick a favorite cast member. So that's that's why I love the premise of, of this show. It's like Saturday Night Live has been very consistent in what it has given us from 1975 on. Yeah, yeah the format got played with a little bit when they kind of settled into what they were going to be. You know, that took, a, a, like you said, a, 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 a maybe two seasons or so to kind of settle in. But but so many, I mean, look, I came in at the beginning like you did when we saw the first cast. So there, there's always that, yeah. that, that kind of glow, if you will, from them. But I, I have no illusions. They've had great 
cast members throughout their entire uh, seasons. Yeah, it's true. And the other, and the other thing, you know, it's my, 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 my friend Steve Cochran, who, by the way, I appear on his radio show on Fridays on uh, WLS. <laughs> and Steve has this theory, and I think this is a pretty solid theory, except for dorks like me who've been watching it all the time. <laughs> uh, but there's a theory that Steve has that's like your favorite uh, cast – your favorite SNL time period is uh, probably when you were in high school. And mm. now for us, that's different because when, yeah. we were in, when we were in high school, it was during those dark, you know, Dick Eversall, yep. Gene Demanian days. So, but, you know, like, but, but, but for a lot of people, that's true. You know, a lot of people that I've talked to on this podcast, and it's so funny, like you mentioned that, oh, uh, yeah, you know, I was being babysat, and that's how I watched it. I can't, tell right. you, I can't tell you the number of people that I've interviewed on this podcast and my other one where I mention SNL, and they're like, yeah, man, I had to sneak out to a friend's house who was, you know, who, whose parents weren't as strict or, 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 mm-hmm. or something like that. But everybody has, you know, their favorite cast members and their memories. I was talking to uh, uh, Dana DiLorenzo, who's an actress, and she is about yep. 18, 18 years younger than, than you and I. So she is way into the Spade Sandler era. Okay. You know what I mean? Cause, and, and, and the Farley era, because she was like 13, 14, 15 when those guys yeah. were. You know? And so we always have that. And like for you, for you and me, obviously, those first few seasons you know, with Jane Curtin and Gilda Radner and all those, you know, and, and Aykroyd and, and Belushi and all those guys, that, that will always have a, a, a special spot in our heart. And I think that that's true of everybody, no matter what age they are. Cause, right. You know, my guess is there's a 14 year old right now, you know, who thinks that Heidi Gardner is the greatest, you know, uh, well, she is, but thinks that Heidi Gardner is the greatest, the greatest yeah. of all time. She's uh, an all timer. I think she's oh, an all timer. I'm with you, man. So, what are uh, just off the top of your head, uh, some of your favorite uh, cast members uh, over the years? Well, it's definitely Phil Hartman. My favorite of all time. Uh, yeah. yeah. By, by the way, the uh, on the next podcast, the next episode of this, I'm, I'm talking with Mike Thomas, who wrote a book about Phil Hartman. That's going to be the next guy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Definitely Will Ferrell. I mean, you know, we can't go wrong there. Yeah. Um, I, I, liked, I liked Anna Gasteyer a lot. I think she was uh, very underappreciated at the time. I mean, I agree. I, I think people now see her brilliance, but man, I mean, <laughs> she's an all timer as well. Yeah. God, there's so many that like there's so many that that you know you're trying to think you're trying to see what what yeah. comes to mind, but uh, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that pop out, right? And, I, and, I, and you, know, you mentioned Anna Gasteyer. Have you watched um, American Auto? No, is that good? Oh man, it, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a total showcase for her. It's a it's on NBC. It's a sitcom. It's about a you know a, a car company. Yeah. Uh, and she is the CEO of the car company, and it's some of the best stuff she's ever done. I mean, sure, sure. Yeah, it's like, and and I'm like you. I think she's kind of an unsung hero. I think she's yeah. one of the best. Our 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 friend, our mutual friend, Amy Seeley, was on this podcast, mm-hmm. and we each picked our favorite female cast members of all time. And I uh, I had Anna Gasteyer on mine. Um, she oddly didn't, uh, but but uh, but I I think she's great. I'm, and I think she's kind of an unsung hero. She was kind of overshadowed by a lot of the other female cast members at that time because they were all. You know, like Sherry O'Terry had the cheerleaders, and Molly yeah. Shannon. Molly Shannon had, you know, Mary Catherine Gallagher. Uh, even though they were together on Delicious Dish, they were, you know, right. they, they were partners on that. But yeah, Anna Gasteyer is great. Now, I asked you to pick your favorite five sketches, and I know that's not an easy thing to do um, because, you know, and, and I love the fact that you pick stuff from all over time periods. Yeah, I, I mean, I cheated a little bit, but it actually wasn't hard to come up with those five. 
Yeah, and and I love the fact that they do represent different uh, eras of the show because you know it's I think it's really cool to represent the different eras. Like, because we could obviously pick like. You know, we could pick five sketches from, like, I, we could do the uh, uh, Little Chocolate Donuts. We could do that. We right. could go, you know, we could go right to, you know, you could go right to Wild and Crazy Guy. I mean, you could pick five from the first season alone, you know? Yes, certainly. Um, so it's great to, like, represent all of those. Um, you know, I, I did an entire episode dedicated to the potato chip sketch. Yeah. <laughs> which is one of my favorite sketches of all time. And I just did an, a, 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 a podcast about toilet humor leading up to the bidet sketch. Yeah. With uh, Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig asking very weird questions about the bidet, right? And so those those are obviously different time periods. So uh, it's cool to get into it. But we but there are there's some history behind some of the stuff that you've chosen. And and I I asked you to pick the five, and you did. Oh, by the way, before we get into that, I want to make sure we get the plug in. Your next play that you wrote with uh, Len Len Foot Len, Len Foot, yeah, is called Lane Call: A Night of Closing, and this is about your you and Len because you both worked at Venture. For people who don't yes. remember. Venture was describe venture to people who might not remember what it is. Venture is essentially what Target is now. You know, uh, uh, dis- discount department store, but they 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 were their whole thing was uh, you know it what they were gonna they were gonna class it up a little bit and get rid of that stigma of the of the discount department store, and it was just you know. Not, uh, this the, the the black and white uh, angled you know uh, paint job and and then the orange vests and uh, yeah it's just about our time uh, working there I mean we, we we actually have some real kind of characters based on real people but it's really about our time because it's very important for the for the two of us and how our two different uh, career paths kind of took um, from there because there was a time where we could have been like. Are you going to work here forever, or are you going to? Is this your stepping stone? You know. Yeah. So it, it's 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 completely a comedy. It's, it takes place over one night. It's very similar to Dazed and Confused in that aspect. That's kind of the blueprint that we used. Is it? Does it take place in the in the late eighties, early nineties? Is yes. It, okay. Takes place in, in the, when you in, guys when you guys work there. Yeah. Mid eighties. Mid eighties. Okay. Re- I'll put it this way: <laughs> okay. we reference Rocky three. Okay. So. All right. Okay. All right. So I mean, are people going to have like bad hair and uh, and 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 uh, we'll and- see. <laughs> They'll definitely. We'll definitely. We definitely got to get the. The the the, nylon, the 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 knit tie with the cutoff. Uh, yes, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely, cutoff. absolutely. You know, I don't um, know for people. Obviously, you and I both know this because we're friends. But while you were working adventure, I was working a jewel, and right. we both wore the ties, and we both. Have you, by the way, have you? Do you see the way that they let the kids dress at jewel now? Ridiculous. I mean, I walk in there and I'm like, what the fuck? I worked there for 11 years. I had to dress like a jagoff. You know, and you know, right. they're wear, they're wearing gym shoes. They've got t- you know regular. Sh- I'm like, wait a minute. Right. I had to wear, you know, I don't know. I could not. I could not wear jeans. I could not wear gym shoes. I had to wear a shirt and tie. Yep. And and corduroys. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well. So anyway. So that's called Lane Call, and uh, and that will open in June at the Factory Theater. How long were you uh, AD at the Factory? Oh boy. Like, 10, uh, like over ten years, right? No, it was uh, ten. Yeah, it was about uh, 15, 16 years. Holy shit! Really that long? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. I believe you hold that. Uh, you hold the record for longest uh, tenure as uh, as as artistic director of that theater company. Very might very be. cool. Might be. Uh, it's interesting that it's so cool that that company's still around. That you guys are still around. I, are you emeritus now, or are you still part of the? Uh, I'm, I'm, emer- I'm emeritus. Yeah. Okay. Good. 
COVID ruined everything. Yeah, well, it did, but you guys, but it's still around. You guys are putting. Yeah, there, there's a show that that uh, Shannon O'Neill just wrote uh, that was up and running, and I don't know if it's, if it closed. It closed last week or, or something. Yeah, it closed right? April first. It closed. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then like you're the next show that goes in, right? Your your show. Yep. Okay, and so it's still going, which is great, and it's up in Rogers Park. People should check out thefactorytheater.com. A lot of history there, man. Uh, a lot of history. Uh, yeah, big time. Of- now, you know, in terms of the stuff that you wrote for The Factory and stuff that you've written on your own, do you count SNL as an inspiration? Uh, it, it, were you inspired by some of the stuff that you saw or, or from those people? Uh, it, it, definitely in a way. Uh, well, because, yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly <laughs> – look, as you know, I, I pull quotes from every <laughs> movie that – you know. <laughs> Right, I, I pull references left and right, so I'm, I've used more than a few Blues Brothers references in a, in, you know, in a couple of uh, uh, plays. They're definitely an influence. Uh, Second City TV, SCTV yeah. is a major influence on how I write, and then just, just jokes, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's go. Let's go to your to your uh, to your favorite sketches. And again, people check out thefactorytheater.com. Lane called a, a, a night of closing. Let me just on a personal note. Do you include uh, uh, the, the? Do you include? Does a character have a Flavor Flav name tag in the play? He he might. I'm trying to look for my old uh, uh, name tags. No, but is so it? I mean, I okay, okay, because because uh, because re- you and I lived together at one point when you were mm-hmm. working there, and I, you know, and uh, and I remember uh, you would walk around with a name tag. You were a manager, and you would walk around with a name tag that said Flavor Flav. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll that'll be there. That'll be there. Okay. All right. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of working retail, I'm telling you. All right. So uh, anyway, that opens up uh, in June at the Factory Theater. It's called Lane Call. All right. Uh, so your five, I asked you for five favorite sketches. And uh, let's go in order from five to one. Okay. Um, and again, you know, these are, the, you can move these around. You can change them. Lists, sure. you know, you and I have made lists for our entire lives. And <laughs> you could change them at any time you want and whatever. So today, as of today, these are your mm. five favorite so let's start with word association, um, uh, and, and let's explain uh, what this is, um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the history of it, and then I do have a fair warning because I'm going to play it. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, I'll warn you when we start to play it. But word association is your number five. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so it, it's a bit where uh, uh, Richard Pryor is uh, uh, applying for a job, and Chevy Chase is the HR guy. And uh, they the last part of their process is they do a word association. And Chevy Chase says a word, and then obviously, you know, how it works, and Richard Pryor's got to say the first thing that come to his mind. Well, as, as, the, as the scene progresses, uh, Chevy Chase starts getting uh, uh, putting more uh, um, epithets, if you will, um, yeah. uh, towards Richard Pryor. And then he's, his reaction is getting, uh, you know, more and more uh, intense. And right. of course, it, cul- it culminates with you know the ultimate, so the N word, yes, yeah. yeah. And, and but but the, what sells this is Richard Pryor's reaction to it. Yeah, I mean, it what, what what makes it all, and just not just what he says, but just his face. Right. And he, uh, he, I mean, come on, you know, you're a big Richard Pryor fan. I mean, he is a genius, and we know this. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, Richard Pryor is the funniest man that ever lived, in my yeah. opinion. I think he's the funniest man that ever lived. And I do want to say this. You know that that night. Uh, he set two records that night. I don't know if you know this or not, Richard Pryor. He was oh, okay. the first. He was the first African American to host SNL that night, which of mm-hmm. course they were only seven episodes in, so that's not like Still, a huge yeah. record. Uh, and it was the first of three times that the seven second delay was used, so it wasn't really live. Right. 
Um, and it, can, do you remember the other two times that they used it? Because it was, there was a seven-second delay because everybody was like, oh, God, Richard Pryor's going to say fuck, and we're all going to be screwed, so he can't, you know. So, they, so for the first time ever on a live show, they used the seven-second delay, and they used it two more times. Can, can, oh, you, oh. Can uh, you guess? What? Chappelle? Nope, not Chappelle. No. Uh, uh, not Chappelle, but I, I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you one of them. Uh, one of them was in 1986. Uh, they were both, by the way, one was in 86, oh. one was in oh. nine, one was in 86, one was in 90. They're both stand-ups. Okay. Dice has got to be one of them. Dice was 1990. Yes. Yeah. Seven uh, seconds. Yeah. Definitely. I forgot all about Dice. And Sam Kinison? Yes. Good job, man. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. And they did actually employ a three-second delay. I don't know why. For Chappelle. So you got all of them. Very huh. good, man. You got them all. But the seven-second delay was only – he was the first one because they were like, oh, shit, we can't trust him. Right. You know, that's why, that's why he – you know this. That's why he, he – you know, he, you know he, he's one of the writers of, of Blazing Saddles. Yep. But Warner Brothers would not uh, let him play Black Bart. Huh. Um, that Cleavon Little ended up with the part, but it was written for Pryor. Right. And, and, but, they, but Warner Brothers was like, he's a, you know, he does drugs. He's a lunatic. We can't have him on the set. And so that's why Cleavon Little played the part because nobody wanted to work with Pryor. Huh. Um, but anyway, all right, so, the, so this is the word association uh, sketch. And I do want to mention this. Um, that episode, the Richard Pryor episode, contains a lot of legendary stuff. Um, he did the, for his monologue, his opening monologue, he did the bit where he takes acid for the first time, where he forgets how to breathe and all that shit. I mean, it's genius. And he brought Paul Mooney in to write on that episode. Hmm. Uh, and Paul Mooney is, you know, a great uh, legendary stand-up comedian, died a couple of years ago, really good friend of, of uh, Pryor's. And when Pryor was asked to do it, he's like, I want to bring Mooney in. And Mooney wrote the sketch, the sketch oh. we're about to play. So Paul Mooney and Richard Pryor wrote this sketch. It was aared on December 13th, 1975. That's, so we were 10. Right. <laughs> Season 1, Episode 7. Now, I want to warn you, for all the people who are listening, uh, this now could never be ever done on television um and, and i'm not i'm not you know like i'm not an idiot who's going to use the word woke or any of that kind of shit but this is right now in the times that we live in this is a sketch that even then was considered controversial yeah uh so even back in 1975 so i'm i just want to warn everybody ahead of time what you're about to hear may be offensive to your ears but i want to warn you ahead of time if you want to like fast forward a couple of seconds here uh, but this is actually, word for word, what aired that night on December 13th, 1975. This is Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase in the Word Association sketch. Um, and yeah, so just, uh, again, full warning, it might get offensive. And at the end, the, the N-word is dropped at the end. All right? So just be, be aware. But this is what aired, Word Association, number five on Scott Oaken's list of the uh, favorite sketches. Here we go. All right, Mr. Wilson, you've done just fine on the Rorschach. Your papers are in good order. The file's fine. No difficulty with your motor skills. And I think you're probably pretty ready for this job. We got one more uh, kind of psychological test we always do here. It's just a word association. I'll uh, throw you out a few words. Uh, anything that comes to your mind, just throw it back at me, okay? Just kind of an arbitrary thing. Like if I said dog, you'd say... Tree. Tree. <laughs> Dog? Tree. Fast? Slow? Rain? Snow? White? Black. Bean? Pod. Negro? Whitey. 
Tar baby. What'd you say? Tar baby. Oh, fake. Colored. Redneck. Jungle bunny. Pack of wood. Burhead. Cracker. Spear chucker. White trash. Jungle bunny. Hunker. Spade. Hunker, hunker. Nigger. Dead hunker. I think you're qualified for this job. Uh, how about a starting salary of $5,000? Your mama. Uh, $7,500 a year. Your grandma. $15,000, Mr. Wilson. You'll be the highest paid janitor in America. Just don't, don't hurt me, please. Okay. Okay. You want me to start now? Oh, no, no, no. It's all right. I'll clean all this up. I'll take a couple of weeks off. You look tired. So that's it, um, oh. and it's cl- and it's classic. And with the laughter that you hear, what you were talking about, Scott, is the facial expressions that Pryor, after he oh. says after he says the N word, the look at dead honky when he does the look where he's like his lip is twitching and his eyes are it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and it caused a, a it caused a stir back in 1975. Although the N word was said not with not with a lot of regularity, but it was said. On Sanford and Son, it was said on All in the Family. At that time in the seventies, the N word was dropped around a little bit more um, frequently. Right, right. Uh, but and yet, it still caused a stir. And now, again, you can't, you know, you can't even uh, attempt to play that. But again, that was Paul Mooney. Uh, uh, Paul Mooney came in and wrote that sketch. Um, but yeah, do you remember why? Did you watch that the night it aired, or was that yes, something? Yes. You caught it? No, I, I watched it the night it aired. The thing about it is, it's just it's so subversive as 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 a piece of comedy. Uh, you know, t- t- I mean, because it's again, like you said, back then that was like shocking, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and, but man, th- that that kind of that's a Saturday Night Live did. They went for it early, and I guess maybe that was the appeal of to to draw people in at the at the beginning. But I mean, <clears throat> you would think eight, tw- not twice. You think eight times before airing a sketch like that, but man. They yeah. did it. Yeah, they did, and they and you're right. I mean, and that's still kind of a thing that SNL does uh, to this day. You know, it kind of pushes the boundaries, although the boundaries don't really exist anymore. Um, right. But but back in that day, you know, I mean, you would do like the drug references and saying ass on TV was like. Mm. Re- I mean, I remember uh, and saying stuff like bitch, like when Emily Latella would would call Jane Curtin a bitch. That was like, <gasps> or Jane, you ignorant slut. Those <laughs> things were. Yeah. You know, th- nobody was saying that kind of stuff. You yep. know. Um, and to to do that, and and I remember reading about this in it's in the it's in the Saturday Night Live book, um, Live from New York, where when they brought Paul Mooney in, Lauren Michaels met. We had to meet with like the bigwigs at NBC, and they're like, "We don't want Paul Mooney to write this stuff. This is really too controversial." And Lauren stuck by it. Lauren was like, "Look, if we get complaints, I'll take them." Hmm. So yeah, and so and they did. They got a lot of complaints because of that <laughs> sketch. But it's brilliant, and it's also a sketch about racism, and it's about. Yeah. 
you know, and about and about like, uh, you know, like what uh, African-Americans had to go through to just get a job as a janitor at that right. time. You know, uh, so it's it's, you know, socially important and it's really, really funny and it's played beautifully uh, both Chase and. And Pryor are great in it. So yeah. Now, now you were you were like, I don't know if you'll be able to play that one, so I'll pick a different one. Right. And I was like, fuck it, it's my podcast. I'm playing it. And if people <laughs> if people don't like it, I apologize, but you know, we'll see. So you also chose one that's kind of similar in theme. Uh, and this was this isn't really a sketch; it's a short film that they did in SNL. Um, and this was White Like Me, and this was when the first time Eddie Murphy came back and hosted. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, December 15th, 1984, almost exactly nine years later to the sketch that we just Holy played, crap. which is huh. insane. Season 10, episode nine. By the way, your host was um, Eddie Murphy. And, and by the way, uh, Scott, you know what your musical guest was? I don't. <laughs> Robert Plant and the Honey Drippers were your musical Oh, <laughs> oh with, with, with Brian Setzer playing in that band that night. That's exactly right, my uh, friend. Exactly come on. Right. Come on. I know. I know you don't fuck around. I know. Uh, so white like me, explain what this is, the setup, and I've, I've got a little piece of it. Yeah, so it's basically uh, Eddie Murphy is doing like a documentary style like film about uh, uh, you know how far do we have to go between uh, 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 the the equalness between uh, white America and black America. So to to test it, he goes in disguise. Covered basically in <laughs> covers his skin, so to make himself appear as as a, as a white man, you know, a wig and the, the whole nine yards, and it's just so so each place that he goes, once he's alone with quote unquote other white people, some weird stuff starts happening, right. you know, and, and and it's so over the top, it's 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 hysterical. I mean, he gets free newspapers. All of a sudden, a party breaks out, and then. <laughs> You know, culminating in him not even have to apply for a loan. He's right. literally throwing money right. at him. So, right. and then, and then, actually, the punchline is that right at the end, where he's like, "Well, you know what? I got a lot of friends. Yeah, and I got a lot of makeup. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it's. I just think it's one of the all time, one of the all time film bits. I yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Well, let's hear it. This is uh, uh, this is uh, from White Like Me, where Eddie Murphy goes out into the into New York. Uh, disguised as a white man, and this is let's let's pick it up right at the bank loan. Here's the. Well, let me yeah. get this straight, Mister uh, Mister White. You would like to borrow fifty thousand dollars from my bank, but you have no collateral, you have no credit, you don't even have any ID. Is that correct? That's right, <laughs> <laughs> Mister White. I'm sorry. This is not a charity. This is a business. Uh, and- Harry, why don't you uh, take your break now? I'll take care of. Uh, Mr. White. Oh. Okay. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> that was a close but one. <laughs> we don't have to bother with these formalities, do we, Mr. White? Huh? <laughs> what a silly Negro. <laughs> Just take what you want, Mr. White. Pay us back any time, or don't. We don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, do you know of any other banks like this in this area? So what did I learn from all of this? Well, I learned that we still have a very long way to go in this country before all men are truly equal. But I'll tell you something. I got a lot of friends, and we've got a lot of makeup. 
So the next time you're hugging up with some really super groovy white guy, <laughs> or you met a really great, super keen white chick, don't be too sure. They might be black. So that's just, it's classic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I just, and I love the, I mean, I've, al- I've always loved the, the white guy voice that Eddie Murphy does. Yeah, like, yeah, what, 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 what a silly Negro when he does that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember watching that and uh, that was the first time he officially hosted. Uh, huh. now, do, now, do you know when he actually hosted for the first time? There was, uh, yeah, it was an emergency uh, kind of situation, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, I remember what somebody, what, what happened? Somebody, okay, okay. His co-star, Nick Nolte, was too drunk to do, uh, to host. <laughs> okay. Uh, this was when 48 Hours was out. And yeah. Eddie, Murphy, Eddie Murphy was still a cast member, and he just hosted, and the other cast members were not happy let me <laughs> just say that but yeah so then he came back and hosted and then he wouldn't come back for like almost 40 years right uh after that and uh, the last time he hosted was fantastic when he hosted great like two, two seasons ago it was fantastic mm-hmm. um but anyway yeah so uh white like me now the next one that you pick uh is which would be number four is the fbi simulator with kevin roberts um <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> this is from um, February 6, 2016, season 41, episode 12. Uh, and it's obviously when Larry David hosted. Um, so set this one up. This is one of my favorites ever. Yeah, this is so, yeah, Larry, uh, the, the whole point, it's, it's, F, it's an FBI simulator where uh, uh, Cicely Strong, who is amazing in this yeah, sketch, by the absolutely, way. Absolutely. Good read. Yeah. And so is Keenan. Uh, but... They, she's got a bunch of uh, recruits, and they're doing the classic. Uh, they're, they're, they're a, there's, a, there's a mock-up of a, a couple of buildings, like a neighborhood, and then you know targets would pop up, and it'd either be I'm a bad guy or oh I'm an old lady, and it was other cast members, you know, playing those pop-ups, so to speak. Right. And then inexplicably, this Kevin Roberts. This is one of those. This is one of those sketches, and I picked this one because it represents. The, the completely absurd out there sketch, right? That shouldn't be funny, but it is because there's not, there really is not much to it. But it, for some reason, I, I couldn't stop laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, when, and when he, when this Kevin Roberts pops up, he's got like an 80s suit on and weird hair and he's, he's got a big cell phone, a giant cell phone. Um, and it's the fact that it's Larry David also yeah. is ridiculous. <sighs> And the character is strange. There's no reason for it to be there because you've got your, your regular, typical, um, you know, like old ladies, you know, and, and like Vanessa Bear plays, uh, plays a, a woman. I forgot my bo- a book bag. She's uh, in there. John Rudnitsky, who I talked about actually right. brought this sketch with, is like a criminal. Uh, Bobby, well, Bobby Moynihan plays something else. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> Leslie Jones plays a woman who's high on bath salts. Uh, <laughs> And Pete Davidson is one of the recruits in the back who just basically laughs during the entire sketch. Right. Um, but, the, you know, for, as you mentioned, Cecily Strong is great. But for me, the key to this sketch is Keenan. Um, yeah. He's so fucking brilliant. Well, first of all, Keenan is one of the greatest cast members of all time. Yeah, I should have mentioned him. Because I forgot. He is definitely one of the greatest. Of all time. And he, I mean, you know, I mean, he, it's just like it's a given. The guy now has the record. He's been on for over 20 seasons, which is Jeez. insane. Um, and nobody thought that when he first came in. It was like, oh, it's the dude from 
you know, w- burger, the uh, whatever the Keenan and Kel, the, yeah. the TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what, what is, is this guy? Twenty years later, everybody's like, oh, he's the best cast member ever. But like, his reactions to what happened are hilarious, and the way that um, that Larry David plays it, and the visual, the way he looks, is oh fucking God. hilarious. Now, I'm gonna play a bit of it back, uh, and then uh, after this sketch became a classic, and it is a classic. People, it like. As you know, Scott, now everybody watches SNL the next day. Right. And because of social media and because of trending, sketches that are hot, you know, like one night become huge when they trend. Yep. And yep. Kevin Roberts went through the roof trending-wise. Like, it was really? huge. So here's, a, here's, a, here's from the FBI simulation, Kevin Roberts. I'm Kevin Roberts, and I'm the coolest bitch in town. Where's the party? You ain't telling me why you just shot an innocent civilian? I apologize. Thug with a gun, clearly bad. Nice old lady, obviously good. Then you got Kevin Roberts. I mean, I couldn't get a read on a man in a neon suit holding a big old cell phone claiming to be the coolest bitch in town. It just didn't seem to fit a type. Yeah, okay, this simulator is designed to see how you'll react in the real world. And it's not all bank robbers and Girl Scouts out there, okay? There's people like Kevin Roberts, head scratchers, wild cards. And you don't use your weapon just because somebody confuses you. Again, that was my bad. (laughs) In my defense, I'm pretty confident that type of man does not exist in society. I mean, it looks like it came out of a 1980s computer game. Yeah, thanks, Sohealy. We value your feedback. Let's get back to it. I'm high on bath sauce. <laughs> oh, no. I left my backpack on the school bus. Mmm, there you go. Good control, Sohealy. <laughs> I'm Kevin Roberts, and I've got a very important question. Can a bitch get a donut? <laughs> Side. Yo, did that guy just say, can a bitch get a donut? <laughs> Who the hell designed this thing? Hey, keep your head in the game. Have you seen my friend Kevin Roberts? Because I got that bitch a donut. <laughs> Why does Kevin Roberts have friends in a storyline? Focus, do not let it throw you. I don't mean any trouble. Oh, he's reaching into his jacket. What's he doing? What's he got in there? Breaking news! Kevin Roberts just got to second base with a lady! No! Go away, Kevin Roberts! Die, pig! And now you're dead. Not good, O'Healy. Kevin Roberts got in my head. (laughs) He said he got to second base, and I was like, who would do that with Kevin Roberts? Being a field agent means dealing with human puzzles like Kevin Roberts. Maybe I'm along behind a desk. So that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, man. Keenan right. really makes that Keenan, skin go. Keenan is unbelievable. <laughs> now, t- to be fair, I don't think a man like that exists in society. 
and again, you have to kind of see Kevin Robert. I'm sure that people listening to this have seen it, and it's just a great sketch. And it was hilarious the moment, you know, we all watched it, if you watched it live, and then immediately, you know, because all the sketches are available an hour after the show is over, and I yeah. can't tell you the number of times I watched it. I posted it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, and everybody in that sketch just, you know, plays it so well. But, I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, like, like just the the movement when when Keenan is is training his gun and then he sees it's oh it's just oh I lost my pack and then, and the yeah. movement he makes to to retreat his gun right, is just right. like hysterical. Yeah, and you can tell like and everybody except Keenan, everybody who's standing there, Pete uh, Davidson, ancestrally strong, and everybody else are like on the verge of breaking every yep. five seconds because of how stupid. Larry David looks and mm-hmm. okay. So I ha- I want to play the bloopers. Okay. Because Larry David does not break through that entire sketch. Nobody right. does. They're on the verge of breaking. They're very, very close, but nobody breaks now. And, and that to me is impressive already. Cause it's so goddamn funny and right. so absurd. As you said, Scott, completely fucking absurd. Um, to the point where it's like, what, what is this sketch about? Right. Um, but let me play back some of the bloopers. And after watching the bloopers the next day when they were posted, I was like, I cannot believe they got through this sketch live without right. breaking. So what I'm going to play is a bunch of outtakes. They're bloopers from dress rehearsals and from, uh, and, and from, uh, from, the, from the, the, the first dress, from, from rehearsals, dress rehearsals, and, uh, and, and the live dress the night before the show. Right. And the night of the show. So, and, and just listen to how hard... It is for Larry David to even get through this. And the fact that he made it through the entire four-minute sketch without breaking is astonishing. So yep. here's, here are the bloopers. I'm Kevin Roberts, and I have a very important question. Get up. Get up, bitch. Get in, don't Catch on the flip side. Breaking news! Kevin Roberts just got to second base with a lady! (laughs) Breaking news! Kevin... (laughs) Kevin Roberts just got to second base with a lady! I'm Kevin Roberts... (laughs) And I'm the coolest bitch in town. Where's the party? I lost my book bag. Good control. I'm Kevin Roberts. And I what? I'm Kevin Roberts. And I have a very important question. Get a bitch, get a donut. What 
you trying to say, Kevin? Let him say it. Kevin Roberts just got to second base with a lady. No! <laughs> okay, so... Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's ridiculous. The fact that they got there. And by the way, I do want to mention uh, that Bobby Moynihan, when he's dressed like Kevin Roberts, Bobby Moynihan, I got that bitch a donut. That's one of the greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest moments in that sketch. And Bobby Moynihan, another uh, underrated, underrated, great, great cast member. So, uh, so the FBI simulator. Now, next, yeah. Now, in the category of what, what the fuck is this? Um, what's up with that? Now, this is again Keenan. Uh, you chose what's up with that for multiple seasons. Um, they, so here's the, here's the, they did it 12 times. Jeez. They've done what's up with that 12 times. Um, it was uh, three times in 2009, three times in 2010, once in 2011, twice in 2012, once in 2015 for the 40th anniversary special, once when they were locked down in COVID, when everybody yep, was doing I remember it. remember that. The and then uh, when Sudeikis came back and hosted in 2021, uh, they did it. Um, and they did it with Gerard Butler, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, James Franco, Zach Galifianakis, Brian Cranston, Robert De Niro, Ed Helms, Maya Rudolph, Martin Short, and Jason Sudeikis. Um, and the celebrity guests were James Franco, Al Gore, Mindy Kaling, Mike Tyson, Jack McBrayer, Paul Rudd, Frank Rich, Morgan Freeman, Ernest Borgnine, Robin Williams, Paul Simon, uh, Chris Colfer, Lindsey Buckingham, the real Lindsey Buckingham at one yep. point. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, Kate Upton, Samuel L. Jackson, who said fuck during uh, his... his, Yes, he did. Carrie Brownstein, Charles Barkley, DJ Khaled, Oscar Isaac, Emily Ratchetowski, and Nicholas Brown from uh, uh, Succession. So those were all the people that that have been involved. Jesus. (laughs) Now, tell me about about what it is about what's up with that that makes you laugh. Okay, so it is 100% exactly the same sketch... Structure-wise, rigid, very rigid structurally. You yeah. know what's coming, and yet every time it's hilarious. Again, it's got the elements of random. Lindsey Buckingham. Bill Hader is Lindsey Buckingham, who doesn't speak. And, that, and that's some of the best stuff about it, too, is with his expressions. And it's always Lindsey Buckingham made some incredible sacrifice to get here. You know the joke. You know it's we, we out of time. Yeah. And, oh, Lindsay, you, you came here from your personal, uh, you know. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and he, he always acts mad, and then, he, and then he all of a sudden forgives him. But it's always the same thing. It's got a, a celebrity, and then some random celebrity. That second one is just somebody they pulled in. Right, right. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's an amazing blend of incredibly strict structure and randomness. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching the first. The first, I'm going to play from the first one. I'll play clip. I'm going to play the opening and the closing, quick bits from the very first time they did it, which was October 17, 2009. October 17, 2009. It was season 35, episode four. And I remember watching it with my ex-wife. We were on the couch watching it, and we were both laughing our asses off. And when it when they went to commercial after the sketch. I looked at her and I was like, what the fuck was that? Like I had no, I was like, what, what, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yep. And, that, and that's every time they did it. It's one of the dumbest sketches of all time. Yep. And I know people who hate it. I've actually talked to people who hate it, which I don't oh, understand, yeah, but it is. And you're absolutely right. It's absurd. It's stupid. You know, every beat that's going to happen and every joke that's going to happen. And it's funny every time. Every time, Scott, 
that fucking hi-hat hits every time. Yeah. And Keenan does the thing with his eyes, you know, where mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's about to sing. It's hilarious every time. And please, Fred Armisen and Jason Sudeikis. Oh, oh my God. Sudeikis in particular with the red yeah. jump running suit on and the gold chain doing the running man. And by the way, those guys, uh, for, for people who might not know, uh, those guys are named Vance and Giuseppe. Yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> you discover that in uh, I think the, the Jason Sudeikis uh, hosted episode, and of course Keenan plays the host of the show DeAndre Cole. So the first episode ever that they did, Will Forte was the announcer. Mm-hmm. The backup singers were Nassim Pedrad and Jenny Slate, uh, who of course was only on for one season because she said fuck. Right. Uh, her and first, her, her first episode. Her yeah. first episode. And, you know, Sudeikis and Armisen were the running guys and everything. And your guests were uh, Bill Hader as Lindsey Buckingham, James Franco, who was not the host. He was just the, the guest. And then Abby Elliott played Lindsey Free. And they, did, they stopped doing this, mm-hmm. where they had, like, a cast member come in and play a character. Oh, okay. And they, they, after the first time. After the second time on, it was always two celebrities who weren't the hosts. Right. And him as Lindsey Buckingham. Right. And so here's from the first. This is, from the, this is the very first time. What's Up With That aired on October 17, 2009. And me and Heather, my ex-wife, afterwards going, what the fuck? Okay, so here, here it is. It's What's Up With That, tackling the issues of today with soul. With environmental activist and author, Leslie Faree, James Franco, and musician Lindsey Buckingham. And now, here's your host, DeAndre Cole! Woke up this morning and I got out of bed. Had a big old cup of coffee to clear my head. Telephone ring and you wanna attack? Well, sit on down and tell me what up with that. Ooh, wee. What up with that? What up with that? What's up with that? We got three wonderful guests here joining me. We're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about places. We're going to talk about fingers. We're going to talk about faces. We're going to talk about things pertaining to you and you and you and you and you. You too. Not you, but you and you. Everybody bang. Ooh, we. Oh, what up with that? So that's that's the setup yeah. for the first one, and it, it, basically, like anytime he's about to about to interview someone, the very first guest, right? He gets inspired. The hi hat starts, and they start singing. They do the musical number, and then they keep bringing out weirder and weirder guests and mm-hmm. dances. At one point, you remember? At one point, Abby Elliott was uh, the, the 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 girl who fell down the well. Uh, yeah. And she, yeah. I can't remember the, the girl's name who fell down the the actual girl who right. fell down the well. I can't remember and her name. Mothra was in her yeah, room. Yeah, Mothra. <laughs> you know, don't don't fly too close to the light. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man, uh, it's just oh. it's it's absurd. It's completely absurd. And uh, and it, and 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 it became this huge huge thing. Uh, and this is the the closer. And this is this is how they close every time. This is the all oh, we're out of time whole thing. An apology to the first apology to Lindsey Buckingham ever. Well, it looks like we are out of time. <laughs> I want to thank my guest Leslie Faree, and our apologies to our guest who got bumped. Actor uh, James Franco from uh, Spider-Man. And from the band Fleetwood Mac, Lindsey Buckingham. Lindsey, man, you've been here like 12 times. Ain't said nothing, man. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, until next time, I am DeAndre Cole asking you... Hey, 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 hey. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so that's... that's... What's up with that? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> So that's a classic, and and uh, and so it, and it, and they kept doing it over and over again. It became more popular. But my favorite one, Scott, you go back and watch it. Uh, it's hard to pick because they're all great. But I gotta say, I think it's Morgan Freeman and Ernest Borgnine. Okay. Um, and it's because of Ernest Borgnine. Go back and watch that. Go back and watch that clip again. Watch that. What's up with that? He is having the best time he, he, ever. He is. He is. And he has no fucking idea what's happening. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he's just looking around and people are coming out and dancing and singing. And he's just like having the best time. It was like 93 at that time. Yep. And that's my favorite one. Just, just, and, and, and if you watch that clip, that's the one with Morgan Freeman and, uh, uh, and Ernest Borgnine. Just watch, just watch Ernest Borgnine in that. In yeah. That. Yeah. yeah he's but I'm, great. I'm with you on that. That's, that's one of my favorites of all time. Okay. Uh, the next one that you picked is Bruno Mars. Uh, and who knew that this guy had as much talent as he does? Um, uh, no. uh, and this is when Pandora music, uh, channel breaks down. And so uh, tell me about the, about why you chose this one. All right. I chose this one because this is actually one of the most perfectly executed sketches, uh, in Saturday Night Live history, I think, because so they take, they take the host and they take his talents, right? Guy's a singer. Sing, and, and so they, they put him in this comedic situation, but he's so perfectly supported by the other actors on stage um, because the whole skit is us watching Bruno Mars do, you know, do, the, do these imitations of these singers, right? And, but he's so, every line said by everybody in the, in, the, in the sketch, especially Jason Sudeikis, he is incredible and he's just a straight man. You know, one Michael Jackson song that son of a bitch want to hear. I mean, <laughs> he and and it's it, it's the you know you got the whole premise. Uh, 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 Pandora's broken down, and oh, vocals for various stations are going out. So Bruno Mars has to come in. He's an intern. He has to come in and sing, and right. and, he, and and he runs the gamut. And it and it's got a perfect which Saturday Night Live has issues with is how to button the sketch, and it's a perfect button. What's the matter? He's dead. I mean. <laughs> it's a perfect button yeah. on that sketch. It's per it's it is a great sketch. It aired October twentieth, two thousand twelve. Uh that would be season thirty eight, episode five. Um and again, Sadakis is amazing. And of course, you know who else is in this sketch and is great? Keenan. Uh so yeah. all right, but here's a little bit of this and uh and by the way, Bruno Mars, uh I I happen to just fucking love Bruno Mars. Right. I lo I love everything he does. I think he's enormously talented. <clears throat> I love his music. I think he's funny as hell, and he was terrific uh, that night. 
And so here's a little Bruno Mars, and you know the setup. Pandora breaks yep. down, and here's what happens. This is true, huh? Can you sing like Green Day? Ten seconds. I don't know, maybe. Wait, Ferguson, open a channel. Channel is open, okay. sir. Devin, Pandora is counting on you right now. I don't know if I can. Five seconds. Give him a microphone. Thank you. Here, 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 here. Give me that. Okay, you can do this, kid. One second. Do you have the time? We are definitely in the clear now. Uh-oh, sir. What is it? <laughs> We're about to lose the vocals on the Aerosmith channel. Okay, Devin. Devin, can you do Aerosmith? I, I can do it, sir. I believe you, son. Let's go. Switch streams! I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Watch <laughs> you smile while you all sleeping, while you fall. to go down mid-firework. You can do it, Devin. Let's go. Okay, that's okay. You can rest now, all right? Because it's not going to happen again. Thanks, uh, Beaver is down. <laughs> I don't know about me, but I know about you. And I'm going to say swaggy in three, two, swaggy. My lights will be everything you want. Hey, girl, and I'll talk to you if I was your boyfriend. I'll never let you go. Devin, not your best, buddy. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the key, right? <laughs> I wanted to make sure we were not your best, Devin, not your best. <laughs> well, you see, he almost breaks, too. It's like when they right. say Louis Armstrong, it's almost, yeah. almost like they sprung it at him in a right. way. But because but, yeah. he, he was like, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, it's so good. It's, it is a great, that's a great sketch. And by the way, you know they did that a second time. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande did it in 2016, and she was fantastic, too. Uh, yeah. That was season 41. Um, episode 15. And I love the fact that your, your last two are musically related because you are a musician. 
Uh, yeah. uh, and by the way, uh, plug where you guys are playing next. You're playing with, uh, aren't you playing with uh, Enjoy Enjoyable? And you're playing with you're playing with Enjoyable. Uh, we got uh, we're doing uh, uh, the 13th of this month over at the Howard Street Brewery, uh, and then we're doing uh, uh, we're the first band in a show uh, at May 26th over at Montrose Saloon. And then we're doing uh, June 30th over at the Lizard's Liquid Lounge. Ah, right by me. I'm not far from there. Yeah, you're not far from there. Not from from there at all. Okay, anyone to plug those. Well, anyway, the last one you chose is the Blues Brothers. Uh, And and explain why you chose this uh, this one. So this kind of meant, when I was going through and picking these, I knew knew that, uh, well, as, as now it's the second appearance of the Blues Brothers, the first appearance of them proper. In right. their in their blues, you know, uniform, so to speak. Right, right. Um, and and I, I knew it was going to be on the top five list. And when I the reason why I put it at number one is because it's really an important part of my life for some reason. I, it, it's that first of all, when it came on, they did Soul Man. We were all singing Soul Man. We're all all of a sudden now a bunch <laughs> of uh, uh, grade school kids uh, singing Sam and Dave. Right, right. right. So they they introduced a younger generation to this kind of music, yep. believe it or not, but it's true because they played deeper cuts. They played some hits, but they played deep briefcase full of blues. Everyone bought briefcase full of blues. Yep. And, and there were some deep, deeper cuts on there. That was that, that album, but Scott, that album was double platinum. It, it was double platinum. It was number one. It went to number one. It sold over 4 million copies. I mean, there you yeah. go. Yeah. And so, so what, what everything about this opening, this is a cold open essentially. And uh, everything about this, from Garrett Morris's introduction to the, you know, the, the Black Rhino Club, every musician on that stage is a legend yep. uh, within themselves, you know. And my favorite, just my favorite moment, they, they stand, you know, he does the, the flip, the, the cartwheel, and then they stand their hands together motionless, and you hear the beginning of Soul Man. And then the second it kicks in, and they both instantly erupted to this chaotic yet, like beautiful dance, so to speak. Yeah, it's it, it's it's and it's pinpoint precision. And they yep. just they just go and and if you watch it, watch Ackroyd the entire time because you know Belushi gets the spotlight. He's singing. He's great. Yeah, watch the Ackroyd. First of all, he's he had to be in top shape because that dance he's doing with that knees high in the air. I mean, yep. it, it is so good. Yep. It is so beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful, and of course, you know, I know. Look, the Blues Brothers, obviously not one of your favorites, but is as you can admit, though it is a an iconic, oh, absolutely, film of our childhood. Right? Absolutely, no question about it. And and this moment that you're talking about, the reason I I pulled this, I pulled the opening here too. I just want you to, and, and everything that you described is absolutely perfect, absolutely right. And at that time, you have to understand, at that time, the album the album was just about to come out. Okay. Yep. Uh, they recorded that album in September of 1978 at the Universal Amphitheater when they were opening for fucking Steve Martin. And there wasn't anybody hotter on earth at that time. Holy shit, yeah. So at that time, if you look at this, John Belushi was on the number one late night TV show. Number one show. He had the number one album in the country and he had the number one fucking movie in the world with Animal House. It was the biggest, like he woke up one morning in like November of 1978 with the biggest movie, the biggest TV show and the biggest album in the country. Jesus. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, like a couple of years later, the movie would be released. I saw him at Poplar Creek in 1980, uh, in this, about two weeks before the movie came out. 
Um, and it, it, you know, and again, this is amazing. And and what, what I want you to, you know, you 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 perfectly described this whole clip, the opening, and what and how massive it was. But listen to the fucking crowd. Listen to how nuts they go. Yeah. Uh, during this, uh, you know, from the intro that, get, and you have to understand at this point in uh, November of 1978, Belushi and Aykroyd were the hugest fucking things on that show. They were the yeah. biggest, I mean, and the show was at its hottest. Like, at that time, it was the hippest, it was the best, the cast was amazing. They were firing on all fucking cylinders every week. And then these guys come out and just blow the doors off the place. Just listen to the crowd reaction to this. Then it just goes on from there. Yeah. And you listen to that crowd. Listen to that crowd, man. Yeah, and, nuts. And, and when I was recording this for the podcast, I had to do the mix down because it buried the needle. The crowd, yeah. the crowd noise was like, like it was fucking insane. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And it, Carrie Fisher was the host that night. She, of course, would end up having a, you know, an iconic role in that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and the movie would come out in the, in the summer of 1980. And, you know, become huge. And, and whatever issues I have with the movie, what you mentioned, Scott, I think is important. And I will always, whether I like the movie or not, and I'm not crazy about the movie, but, but what's important about that movie and what's important about these guys and what they did was, no, people don't remember this, Scott. You do. In 1980, when that movie came out, nobody was buying Ray Charles records. Nobody was yep. buying James Brown records. Nobody, was, nobody cared about Aretha Franklin or John Lee Hooker. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? N- nobody did. And, and their records went through the roof because of that movie. And one of the greatest things about that movie and about the Blues Brothers in general is what you said, man. They turned a whole new generation onto amazing artists, and they gave credit where credit is due to those people. Yep. So... Yeah. Now, how many times did you see the Blues Brothers when it came oh, out? Oh, God. <laughs> I, when it came out, I must have seen it like 10 times. Yeah. Now, I understand. Now, didn't you go to see a screening over at the Pickwick, right? Yeah. Not too long ago. Was, yeah. Uh, and, and, and as we know, the Pickwick is in Park Ridge, and there's yeah. that famous scene <laughs> in Park Ridge. And yeah. I passed by, I live right by it, at that funeral home, yeah. uh, Nelson Funeral Home, right over it's on uh, Talcott and uh, 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 Cumberland. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's, man. I, 
I went to see it. I went to see it at the Park Ridge because I had not gone to the huge, the, the giant mega screen at the Park Ridge in the Pickwick. And I thought, well, you know, this would be a perfect movie to see there. And I went yeah. and and the place was loaded. It was a matinee and the place was pretty packed. And I'm telling you, people were cheering at certain shots. They were just going nuts. And uh, uh, what what was the scene? It's, it's where the, the cops are equipped with, uh, what are they? What are they uh, scamods. Scamods. That's the scene, right? That's the yep. scamod scene, right? That's that's where they're. <laughs> and then the chase, that chase starts right all over that, that little couple of block radius. Yeah. So there's so many, just when the, when the chase first starts, all of a sudden, then they're on the expressway and they're near. Well, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but when the chase starts, there, I mean, there are buildings that are still there today. And, and when I see it, I'm like, ah, oh, I piss it every day. Um, I know. It's nuts. It's, it, it's, it's, and yeah, I, I, it just meant a lot. It did. And I, I totally understand. And, and Chicago shot in a way. And I love the fact that Jane Byrne was like, do whatever the fuck you want to this city. Because you know that Daly would have never done. You know what I mean? The right. fact that like, like Mayor Byrne was like, drive through Daly Center. Smash the, destroy Daly Center. Go right. ahead. You know, I, <laughs> there's something to be said for that. Uh, so, but yeah. Yeah, it's an iconic moment. And again, man, uh, like right at that time, uh, the album would come out 10 days later after that, that appearance. Uh, Bruce Capable of Blues would come out 10 days later, would go double platinum, would sell 4 million copies. Um, and, it was the, and John Belushi was the biggest name in the world at that point. Yeah, unbelievable. So, yeah. All right. Well, those are, your, uh, those are your top five. And by the way, the, the first appearance that the Blues Brothers actually make um, is in the, uh, the seventh episode of season one. Um, where, I'm sorry, 10th episode of season one, January of 1976, where they're, as, where they're dressed as bees, uh, when they had to do that killer bees thing. Mm-hmm. And Belushi hated that. He hated doing the bees thing. He, you know, do, you, do you know this, Scott? You probably know this already. Yeah. They're like Scott, uh, or Scott, uh, Belushi hated it so much that he would purposely move his head to make the, the antennae move wrong. Right. And, and to piss people off, but it got laughs. Like, even right. that got laughs. So everything the guy did got laughs. So. Yeah. And I just played on the, uh, I did toilet humor a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. And I played one of my favorite moments of toilet humor ever was when the Incredible Hulk stinks up the bathroom at the superhero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Classic Belushi Ackroyd stuff, but yeah. Yep. So the Blues Brothers. So that was a big moment for you. And you, you know, uh, as someone who plays guitar and stuff like that, that, w- that was a pretty big moment for you just in, like personally as well. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so you, get, you, the, you know, Donald Duck Dunn and... and... Uh, uh, Steve Cropper. I mean, those are the guys who actually played on that record originally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they weren't messing around. And and, and as as everybody knows that uh, Aykroyd and Belushi weren't fucking around with that. They had a bar uh, in Greenwich Village in New York. It was an after-hours bar that people would yep. go to, and they would just play blues all night. They would jam with r- real musicians, and that was where the after party was every night after the show. Hmm. Um, so anyway, all right. Did you ever get to see the Blues Brothers uh, uh, live? I never did. I never no. did. Now, I, I, took, I don't want to close on a, on a sour note, but you and I saw uh, Blues Brothers 2000 together. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> Both yeah, of us. <laughs> there one scene you laughed your ass off, though. Too. I did. Yeah, I did with the, with the shaving cream on his, <laughs> yeah. on his head. But, and again, though, as horrible as that movie is, and it is horrible, I mean, I think you can agree that that movie is it's, horrible. It's, it's horrible. It's amateurishly made, and yeah, it's yeah. horrible. But the music's great. <laughs> <laughs> like yep. that, like well, that whole the, the last forty five minutes at House yep. of Blues is fucking amazing. Yep, amazing. yep. 
So anyway, all right. Well, that's great. Everybody can check this. Uh, can can check out this stuff. Word Association, White Like Me, the FBI Simulator. Uh, what's up with that? There are twelve of those to choose from. Uh, Bruno in the Pandora breakdown. Ariaragande the Pandora breakdown is out there too. In the Blues Brothers. Uh, first appearance as the Blues Brothers is season four, episode six. Scott, thank you, man. Um, and and uh, you, you, how often do you get to watch it now? Do you watch it like a lot of people online afterwards? I uh, no, actually, I uh, I DVR it, so I watch it the next day. No, oh, okay, cool. And uh, and I thought that the Molly Shannon episode was a little disappointing, quite frankly. Oh, uh, it was. It was. I had issues uh, with it. Yeah, I did. I did too. But there were moments of it that were great. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, and there were moments that I thought were great. Uh, and, and again, you know, uh, Molly Shannon comes back to host and the highlight that night was Heidi Gardner as the overworked, yep. uh, coworker. Yeah, she's great. She is the best. All right, Scott. Thanks, man. And everybody go out in, uh, in June to see, uh, Scott's play at the factory theater. Check out the factory Always great to talk to you, buddy. Hey man. Thank you. Okay. See you later. There's Scott right. Oaken and, uh, and that's Scott Oaken. Uh, and he's my friend. Uh, and I want to thank him for joining me on uh, that show. Hasn't been funny in years. So my thanks to uh, to Scott Oaken and to you for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing and checking out that show. Hasn't been funny in years on SNL podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Check out my other podcast at RadioMisfits.com. That's called the Nick D Podcast. It's a pop culture interview uh, podcast. Uh, where we review entertainment and movies and all kinds of fun stuff. So you should check that out, the Nick D Podcast. And there are tons of other great podcasts at RadioMisfits.com, Radio Misfits uh, Podcast Network, best podcast network in the world. Please take the time to rate and review us all on every platform. We want to hear your feedback for SNL uh, podcast here. We want to hear uh, maybe topics that you would like to hear me cover on the podcast and feedback and anything else. Leave your voicemails at 773-417-6948. You can email me, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Uh, and my thanks to Jason Skaggs, the one and only, the genius, who, um, um, who composed and performed the opening theme that you hear on this podcast, all the themes that you hear on all my podcasts, and this, the closing theme of that show, hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. So thanks again. Again, thanks to Scott Oakland. Check out thefactorytheater.com for all the information about his upcoming show. And we'll see you next time. That show has been funny in here with the SNL Podcast. I'm Nick DiGilio. Take care. Good night and have a pleasant.